Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Feature person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Rock in America, episode number 121, featuring not only me, but you know who. Hello! Yeah, the me is her. The her is my daughter, co-host, 10-year-old person noob. I am relatively new to following soccer. She is comparatively new to being alive. Together we are Team Noob, and we are going to bring you many match previews from the truly greatest, most paramount and intriguing matches from around the world. But that's as we define that. Now, we'll hit big matches from championship, uh, Champions League level teams from Europe and other places you know, from all around the world, but we're going to go to every single confederation, every single league, every single tournament that we possibly can within our 10. If it's important where it's being played, whether the country is big or small, it's a good chance that their top matches are all on our radar. And we're going to have lots of fun and do a lot of learning about the world through the lens of soccer while we do it. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches from, let's take a look at the calendar, Friday the 3rd through Thursday the 9th this February. Let's waste no further time gilding the lily and jump right in with... Match number one! We start our adventure on Friday... And don't think of this as a warm-up match, even though it's from the second division. After all, the winners and one other team from the Scottish Championship get to move up to the Premiership next year, which is, I believe, now ranked the number nine league in all of Europe. That's a really big deal. Now, at the end of this year, the winner will get promoted from the Championship. Three other teams will vie at the end of the regular season in a promotion playoff to determine one other team to go up. Your matchup is number one, Queen's Park, playing host to second place currently, Air United. We visited with them somewhat recently. Let's take a look at the updated table. At the time I scouted it earlier in the week, Queen's Park sitting on 40 points, Air United 39, Dundee FC at 38, and they have a match in hand against the other two. So as tight as that sounds just by the numbers, it with that match in hand for Dundee, even more so. They've played already twice this particular season, and Air have had the best of it. They won 2-3 on the road and absolutely walloped Queens Park 5-0 when they got it at their place. The series between these two has also gone that same direction in recent seasons. Air have not dropped a game against them in the last 11. You can catch this edition, 2.45 Eastern Time here in the U.S., on Paramount+. Plus. Queens Park, they are known as the Spiders, and they play in the Glasgow region. Uh, their grounds are in an area called Stenhouse Mere, uh, which is about a half hour northeast, I believe, of the town. Uh, about 10,000 people there in that town proper. Last year, they finished in fourth place 
in the third division in Scotland, which is called League One there, just like it would be in England. They qualified for a promotion playoff, and they advanced. And so here they are looking at two moves in a row. And that's really something for a team that was fully amateur until just three years ago. Now, they've won the second division twice, but the last time, it's been a minute, 1955-56. And they've been really good in an event called the Scottish Cup. They've won that 10 times, but all of those were all the way back in the late 1800s. Yeah, talk about having been a minute. Uh, This is a team that is famous among soccer historians for basically having invented what is now known as combination passing, which they did in the mid-late 19th century. There was just a lot of dribbling prior to that instead of planning out two or three passes ahead. So thank you very much, spider people. The offense is where they're getting done Uh, Things done this year in league, they've got the second best one in that regard, scoring two goals per match. The defense is a little bit above average. They've got the second best overall goal differential. Would not mortgage the house to bet on Queens Park hanging on number one in this league, though it wouldn't be the worst bet in the world. Key players for them, tied for number one in league scoring with 15 on the year, Simon Murray, native-born striker who came over from a team in South Africa, of all places, called Bidvest Vitz. And then tied for number one in assists with seven on the year so far. Another homegrown is Dominic Thomas, plays left winger for them. Uh, He started his career here. Longest stint that he's probably ever had with any team is with Motherwell, which is currently a team in the Premiership, though I think it's probably a little bit of a yo-yo team, goes back and forth. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three and have yet to score a goal, so maybe slipping a little bit. Coming to town to take advantage, Air United, southwest part of the country. About 50,000 people there. Great nickname. I love unique ones like this. They are known as the Honest Men, and that comes from a famous Robert Burns poem called Tam O'Shanter. So a little bit of a liberal arts trivia there for those of us still in the sports world. Six different times they won the second division, 1965-66 was the last time though. Last year they finished in eighth place, so a much better season this year. And maybe we're looking at a shootout because they too have excelled mostly on offense, scoring over two goals per match. They've got the number one uh, goal differential in the league. I think if they can get a result in this match that they are the team to beat. Tied for number one in league scoring. Depot Akinyeme from England, uh, play center forward for them. He is also tied for third best in assists. So if they can shut this guy down, uh, then uh, Air United would really be in trouble. But they haven't been in their last three matches, 2-1-0 over that brief stretch with an impressive 8-2 goal differential. Match number B. Join our revolution, if you would, please. Change that awful phrase number two. We know what it is. To number B. See how much more slick and couth that sounds? Listen to it in action. Match number B is a Saturday match from an event called the FIFA Club World Cup. We just had the regular World Cup for the national teams, now the club version, and it has reached its second round. It's going to be taking place in Morocco for the whole thing in two different cities. The match we're going to talk about is going to be in the city of Tangier. If you're not familiar, here's the format for this thing. The six Champions League winners from all the different continental confederations from last year all qualified for this thing. They add in one more team. The host country gets to send the winner of their domestic league as well for a nice even seven. Yeah, trust me, they make it work out with a very funky looking bracket. To that end, uh, the first two teams 
entered into the first round, and then they joined two other teams here in the second round. The winners of this round's matches will play either the South American or European champions that they're entering in at the semifinals by virtue of their seeding. The match that we're going to look at, it's the first game for the first one and the second game for the other one. Seattle Sounders from Major League Soccer getting an early start on their season versus all Ailey, the mighty African champions. Although they didn't qualify by winning last year's Champions League, things were a little bit different this year. We'll get into that when we talk about Al Ailey. The winners of this one have to play the Champions League winners from Europe from last year, Real Madrid. You can see how this is going to go. If your cable or satellite package runs deep enough, 12.30 in the afternoon Saturday on Fox Sports 2 or Fox Deportes. Uh, Per a site called Opta uh, that I really like and trust, Seattle Sounders rank probably just outside the top 400 clubs worldwide. All Ailey are maybe just outside the top 100 50. Throw in the fact that Seattle certainly isn't in any kind of form right now because their league hasn't started yet, whereas all Ailey's Egyptian Premier League season is in full swing right now. They are very much in form. The calendar never does any favors for this event for the North American entrant. Let's just say that. Let's talk a little bit about Seattle first. They qualified by winning last year's CONCACAF Champions League. This is only the first time that they've ever gotten to enter. In fact, the last 19 or 20 entrants in a row have all been from Mexico's Liga MX. So nice to see an American side there for a change. No offense, Mexico. Last year in Major League Soccer, though, in league play, they did not do well. They finished in 11th place out in the West. Didn't even make the playoffs. Uh, Their metrics made it look like they should have been a little bit better. Uh, Their defense was above average, uh, top five in the West. They only gave up one and a third goals per game. Offense was a little bit below average, but still ordinarily ranked above where they finished in the table. They even had a positive goal differential, albeit just plus one. Issue was that they didn't earn a lot of points with draws. When they dropped points, they dropped all of them. They only had five draws last year, second fewest in the West. That all equated to having their worst season in their 14-year history. Here's hoping they can turn it around, but they'll have to do it fast. Key player for them still on the assist leaderboard last year uh, with 11, Nicholas Ladiro from Uruguay, attacking midfielder, 33-year-old veteran. He's been with the Sounders since 2016 and has earned 60 national team caps with his home country since 2009. Stocky little guy. I like seeing guys who are a little bit vertically challenged like me. He likes to go around people with the ball, but he can also start his attacks from deep, giving him the uh, um, kind of the option to shoot from the edge of the box or to lay the ball off. But a big question, and I'm afraid for them the answer is going to be no. Um, He's hardly their only ever star. They've got a really great ensemble cast. But the question has been, will Joao Paulo play? He tore his ACL last year. I don't think they really expect him back until later this month. And to be honest, they probably won't push him back just for this event. They want him healthy for the regular season. Here's to hoping that he is truly healthy enough to make an appearance, though, and contribute. By the way, he is from Brazil, plays midfielder for them. Uh, he scored three Major League Soccer goals was all in 2021, but he played a huge role in getting them qualified for this. He had three in the Champions League that they won last year, and he was a 2021 MLS All-Star. would be so exciting to see him back in full form. And now all Ailey. This is essentially going to be a home match for them being played in Northern Africa. The Red Devils, the Red Giant, or even Red Castle, if you prefer. They have finished in third place in this event the last two years. 
they qualified in a little bit of a unique fashion. They were the runners up in the Champions League last year. They didn't win it. But the team that won it, Wydad Casablanca, they qualified officially by being the winner of their domestic league from here in this the host country. So rather than pass their berth on to the second place team from their league, they gave it to the runners up from the Champions League. Alele didn't have any trouble in the first round. They beat Auckland City from New Zealand, the OFC, Oceanic Football Confederation, nil three. And that was really to be expected. Uh, Auckland City is only a semi-professional level team. In the 2022-2023 Egyptian Premier League, they are in first place at about the halfway point of the season, undefeated, and they've got a match in hand on the other ones. I think they're ahead of uh, Zamalek or somebody like that already by six. They've got the number one offense, but the defense, they've only allowed five goals in 15 matches. Seattle is really going to struggle to get and keep the ball, I think, in their opponent's back third. Tied for number three in scoring in their league with five on the year is Mohamed Sharif plays midfielder for them, but the best player in the entire league in Egypt tied for number three in assists with five is all Maloui. He's a Tunisian left back veteran, 33 years old, a lot of leadership there, a lot of great metrics, 80% passing rate, 86% tackle rate. And not because he's not out there, not doing it all that often. That's the highest I have ever seen for this late in any season. And he gets a fair number of interceptions as well. He's known on the national, uh, uh, international scene as well. He's made nearly 60 national team appearances for his home country since 2012. Team's current form, boy, Seattle are catching them at the wrong time if there was ever going to be a right one anyway. This team has won four straight with a 10-1 and goal differential. Match number three. We stay on Saturday and move over to the great big giant German Bundesliga, the number three ranked league in all of Europe where they max out on European competition berths most each and every year. The top four finishers from there will get to move on to the group stage or event proper, if you will, of the Champions League. One team will get to go to the Europa League group stage and one team will get to start in the Europa Conference League, the fairly new tertiary tournament over there. The big matchup from there this weekend is number four Dortmund playing host to number five Freiburg. Dortmund currently lead them by just four, but not on points only on goal differential for that very last oh-so-valuable Champions League spot. That's where the money be. You can catch this one on ESPN Plus, Eastern Time, 9.30 a.m. here in the States. But that's all you're going to get out of us for this particular match because my daughter, my co-host, Person Noob, has a mission. All right, daughter dearest, are you ready to save the world one cute aminal at a time? Yeah. It's time for... Um, do we have a song? Endangered aminals, endangered aminals. Won't you save them so I can eat them? Oh, wait, no. you can't eat them. No, it's probably once they're not endangered, I can't eat them. No, oh, do not eat them. I'll go to a plant based diet just for you. Fine, all right. So, we're in Germany, and while this particular aminal that you have chosen is not specific to Germany, what is the name of the animal? The Eurasian River Otter. Right. Now, uh, do you remember what Eurasian means from when we talked last week? Uh, wasn't it European, European, European and something? European and Asian. It's kind of a, a portmanteau. So you can find this all over the place. In fact, our notes say that you can find it all the way from? France to Nepal. That's right. And is it is it in is it almost extinct right now, or what is its classification? Uh, it's near threatened, which means population decreasing. So it's not on the edge of extinction. It's not endangered with a capital E. 
but it's not doing that great, particularly in some areas. How's it uh, in Germany? When was it really in trouble? Uh, during the 1800s. Uh, it was uh, hunted to near extinction. Uh-huh. In Germany? Yeah. Specifically. That's right. And there's some other areas in Europe where it is and is not doing so well. What can you tell us about that? Uh, they are probably extinct already in Liechtenstein in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Where are they doing better? Uh, they're doing much better in Nor- Norway. Western Spain and Portugal. Great, I'm sorry. Great Britain, Ireland, and Italy. So kind of sort of the further west that you generally speaking go, the better it seems to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the case in Germany. They weren't listed among the countries we found where it was doing particularly great, which is why we decided to stay with this animal. Now, what has been, uh, you know, we learned in the 1800s that they were hunted to near extinction. What else has been threatening this particular animal? Uh, the, uh, the main threat in Europe, Germany, is acidification of rivers from pollution. And what causes that? Pesticides. Mm. Now, does that hurt the otters directly? Uh, No, it kills the fish that they mostly eat. Oh, okay. What else do they eat besides fish? Uh, Well, in colder months, they eat crustaceans, insects, birds, and even beavers. Wow, beavers with the big old teeth? Yeah. Man, I, I guess if you put... I must know not. I must be aminal noob myself because I would have thought that if you put beavers next to otters, that was an even fight at best for the otter. But apparently, not so much so. I guess I know who goes where now on the food uh, chain. What else is threatening them? Uh, hunting and loss of habitat. Loss of habitat is due to aquatic farming. Oh yeah, like they, uh, like a company or something will, you know, or a group of farmers will set up an area on a river or some other body of water where that might be usable by otters, but they're raising some other kind of food, fish, or animal in there. I see what you're getting at. All right, uh, what can you tell us about uh, kind of their eating and some more general things about them? Uh, they hunt at night and they hide in dens and they halt during the day. Uh, what's the den, what's the name special name for an otter den? Uh, a holt. Holt. H O L T. Okay, cool. And there's something particularly cool about holts, aren't there? Yeah. Uh, they uh, often they're only accessible by going underwater first. Now, see that reminds me. That seems to me like something you would like because I've seen you play Minecraft, and sometimes you're doing things in the water and building things. Haven't you made stuff before, like parts of houses or rooms or? caves where you're keeping stuff or doing things, but you can only get there by going under the water first and having to come back up? Uh-huh. Uh, so in Minecraft, uh, you can swim into one block, uh, like a one-block space. Uh, uh, so then when you swim, you can only get in there underwater and by and by swimming, and then it kind of like opens up into a place. So they should call it Ottercraft. Ottercraft. <laughs> oh, it gets its own theme song. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What do they look like? Um, they're brown on top and cream on bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Uh, they have uh, they have a shorter neck, broader face, and they're longer than North American otters. Okay, so the kinds that we've seen at the zoo, uh, they're a little bit longer and they've got more of a comedian face, a real broad, vis- a wide visage, if you will. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And what else do we know about them that helps them stay below the water when they need to? Uh, they have dense bones to, re- to reduce Buoyancy. Me? I'm happy you're staying above the water, so I'm happy with buoyant bones for myself. How about you? 
I don't have my own real life Holt. Oh, I see. You're kind of mixed emotions about it. That's reasonable. All right. How much do they usually weigh? Uh, 15 to 25 pounds. Okay. And then using that, we can kind of determine a little bit about what the babies are going to be like, aren't they? What can you tell us about the baby size? Uh-huh. The litter of babies weigh just 10% of the mother. Okay. So if a mom, let's say, is 15 pounds, 10% of that would be mm-hmm. one and a half pounds. Yeah. You're getting into decimals and dividing at school, I know. So you just move the decimal over from 15.0 to 1.5. And then that's the whole litter weighs 10%. Now the litter might be one or it might be as many as how many babies? One to four. One to four babies. So just think if one of those litter, if one of those moms was a little on the small side and she had a litter of four babies, each of those babies would only weigh like one fourth of one and a half pounds or roughly speaking about four ounces. Think about a 20 ounce bottle of pop. I realize that's fluid versus solid, but, uh, and now even though this is an audio podcast, let's take a look at some pictures of the babies. Cause we only save the baby animals. How much do you think that this one weighs? Uh, that one probably weighs like in like, like one fourth of a pound. It looks so tiny. I know. What's it drinking out of? Can you describe the it's people? Like a, like a syringe. Yep, that's right. A big old water dropper in it. I joked that a four ounce one might fit on your fingernail, but you could fit two or based on the picture, you could probably fit two or threes of the, two or three of those in your hand, couldn't you? He's so chubby. All right. What, here's <gasps> another otter standing on a rock. Yeah, he's so cute. And he's looking right at the camera. What do you think he's thinking? He says hello. Oh, wow. My goodness. He probably does say hello. And then what about this guy who looks like he's got the big beard? He looks like he has a big chubby beard. Yeah, his he's creamiest right all the way around the mouth. He looks like he's got a great big uh, grandpa so beard. And look, it's in a towel, but it looks like he's wearing a turtleneck sweater. He's just wearing a little sweater. He's just chilling, bro. <laughs> and then here's one floating in the water on his back with a slightly uh, a large looking baby, uh, maybe somewhat grown up on its tummy. And uh, you see any other ones that you want to describe that, here? Yeah, uh, let's go up a little bit. That one. This one? Yeah, that one just looks like a little baby with the big eyes and the little. Yeah, he's sitting fur. on somebody. Sitting on somebody's forearm. That one looks like a koala. Yeah, there's a lot of cute. There's one earlier I saw that had uh, caught a fish. Here's the last one. We'll go through to describe. Tell the people what this little baby Eurasian he's, otter is doing. He's jumping. He's just floating in the air, just chilling. He's floating. <laughs> he has magical powers. <laughs> That's why we're gonna save the Eurasian. Well, the Eurasian river otter ought to be able to save itself if it's got magical powers, doesn't no. it? No. No, they're not that magical. It can only float in pictures. That's right. Okay, that's that's reasonable. So we'll keep things real. So um, before we get into how we can save them real quick, can you tell us anything else you know about them? Uh, well, they typically live alone. They're very territorial. Uh, their territory is only regarding otters of the same species. Gotcha. So, Oh, I misdid that on our notes. I should say gender, and here's why. Uh, the male and female territories may overlap. Right. That's something I learned. So every every male needs as much space and will take as much space as it needs to have enough uh, water and area to do the hunting it needs to feed itself. And other males won't mess with that area. But females, their territories might very easily uh, overlap. And then they've got a really, really fun way of marking their territory, don't they? Some animals like deer, will uh, they will urinate. They will go pee-pee on yeah. an area. What does uh, what does a Eurasian river otter use? They 
poop. That's right. What's it called when they use their poop? Uh, sprint. Yeah, that's right. So they they say sprints, but it really means poop. So they, Duty. I don't know if they spread it around with their paws in certain areas or they just Duty. go in certain areas, Duty. but you're 10. I figured you get a kick out of learning the word for Duty. otter poop. Duty. You can go and tell this kid, yeah, duty. You can go tell the Duty. kids at school, right? Yeah. All right. So how have they been conserved and where can people look up on their Google machines to find out how to help this really cute animal? Uh, a lot of the worst pesticides have been banned in Europe. That's good to hear. Uh, International Otter Survivor Fund. Yep, that's based over in Europe, something that we found. And uh, we can't vouch for the validity of the organization. We haven't uh, done a ton of deep dive into that. But if you're interested in checking out more on the animal and how to save uh, this, and I believe they're connected to some other funds that uh, work on uh, conservation of habitats for other animals, they can certainly start with that, the IOSF. International Otter Survivor Fund. Well, Person Noob, thank you once again this week for helping us use the sport of soccer as a lens into checking out other cool things in the world, like little tiny baby otters drinking out of syringes. Match number four. We remain on Saturday, but head off to yet another confederation. We're going to hit every single one in the world this week. I'm really pumped for it. Papua New Guinea, the National Soccer League there is the top flight. And I don't think we've ever covered anything from this country before. The league was founded in 2006, and it is part of the OFC, the Oceanic Football Confederation. New Zealand is the king of that group right now, as we learned with uh, Auckland City from the Club World Cup earlier. This league, according to Kick Algorithms, a site that I really like, only ranks as the seventh best out of the ten, which I'm a little bit surprised about given the uh, population size of the country. They do get to send two teams each year to the OFC Champions League. This year, they really expanded things out. They've got five conferences of six teams each that each played a double round robin, and then the top two teams from each of those made the playoffs. Now we are on to the final. Both of these teams have already qualified for the Champions League, but make no mistake, they both want to be champions, and these are the two perennial powerhouses there, Hikari United taking on Lai City. At least I think it's Lai, L-A-E, might be Lai. We're going to talk about United first out of Hikari. They play out of the capital city of Port Moresby. Uh, they were refounded in 2006 after first being founded in 2003. 2009-2010, they won the Champions League in the OFC and are one of just two teams to have ever done that outside of the teams from Australia and New Zealand. Australia is not in the OFC, by the way, anymore. They are in the Asian Champions League now uh, and Confederation. Last year, this team won the conference, the Southern Conference that they played in. It was one of only two conferences. There were only 14 total teams in it last year. And I'm unsure what the playoffs looked like last year, to be perfectly honest. They won the first eight editions of this league. So it's been a few years since they've been able to replicate that. They also won the 2017 uh, NPG Premier League. The league had split up for one particular season. So that's an extra star on their crest, literally or figuratively. This year, they won the Southern Conference by an astounding 11 points, scoring nearly four goals per game and giving up a little less than one per match on average. Team's current form, they have won ten, 10 straight matches, and they defeated from their very own conference, second place Gulf Comara, Nil two in the semifinal. Not sure why they had to play that one on the road. And now I'm going to stick with the first one I tried, Lie City, a club that was founded in just 2014. 
Uh, interesting history. Someone from Hikari, I'm not sure if it was a manager or former player, uh, left the club and then founded this particular one. So this is a rivalry and then some. The club is officially the formal successor to a former club called Lie FC. But as of 2021, just a little fun side note here, there is another team in that area called Lie City Dwellers, and they are now claiming to be the successors to the original club. So I don't know if there will be a formal lawsuit or just something to argue about amongst the supporters there. The city of Lie is the second biggest one in the country. It's in the East Central Park. Greater metro area has about 200,000 people. Uh, It's both a big industrial hub for this region and the largest cargo port in the country. Footy-wise, they are the ones that have won every title since 2015. They didn't make the the split over to the other one for the one year in 2017. They made the OFC Champions League quarterfinals in 2018 and 19, but have yet to win that event. This year, they are undefeated and won the Northern Conference by nine points. They score even more uh, than their opponents today, 4.2 goals per match. And they, too, give up a little bit under one per match on average. I'm having a really hard time predicting, just based on the metrics, which way this one is going to go. You could see a shootout or a really tight defensive affair. Team's current form, they've won six straight and are unbeaten in their last 12. Match number five. Our whirlwind tour of the world continues to Africa for the African Nations Championship final. This was an event, by the way, that was supposed to be played last July and August, but got uh, moved sort of because of the World Cup and then uh, COVID played a big role as well. Now, this is not the AFCON, which some veteran fans might be more familiar with, which is the official championship for all the national teams. This, too, is national teams. But in order to be eligible for your national team for this particular event, each player has to play for a domestic league, which means like Mohamed Salah, for example, from Egypt, can't play for his national team for this particular one, although they didn't happen to enter the event because he plays over the Premier League in England. So it's really all about growing the game back home and rewarding some of those players. The format, eight groups of either four or three have been participating in the event. They all played a single round robin where it's being hosted in Algeria. And then the top one or two, depending on whether they were three or four teams deep in the group, moved on to the knockout round. What's interesting to me about this is it counts towards the FIFA rankings overall, which can be used for seeding in other uh national and uh, international events, which really surprises me given how they limit the players who can be on this. But still, hey, it adds some extra juice to it, and I am all for the juice. Morocco, the defending champions, by the way, they withdrew uh, pretty much at the beginning after they were not allowed to take a direct flight from home on their own airline. I wasn't too familiar with this, and I won't go way down this uh, rabbit hole, but In 2021, Algeria closed their airspace entirely to Moroccan planes over, uh, I believe, an otherwise unrelated diplomatic breakup. Uh, Tunisia, I'm not sure why, also was banned. So you've got some big countries that aren't here, but they were going to be starting players that weren't a part of their regular national team anyway. Your matchup for the final, the teams that did participate and do give a darn are big ones, Algeria playing host to Senegal. The last few times they've played both in this event and others, Algeria have been undefeated, 4-1-0. They are known as 
the Fennec Foxes. That's also the really cool mascot for this entire event, too, since they're hosting it. They came in seeded as the number three team. They're ranked number 40 worldwide by FIFA. Their entire regular starting national team lineup play in leagues that are abroad. So this is a whole new group of players for them. But here they are succeeding. It's wonderful. Best finish they've ever had in this event was fourth place, 2011. So they've already topped that. This year, they went undefeated in the group stage. And in the semifinal, they beat Niger 5-0. to nil. Number one event score, he's gotten five of them, is Ayman Mahios, striker who plays for a club, USM Alger. Pretty good one there domestically. And now, Senegal, the Lions of Teranga. I believe that means good hospitality. This is sort of a throwback to the days of the vert, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when, the ver- when one of the big virtues in this part of the world was being hospitable to all people, I- including strangers, having them in your home. It could mean a variety of things. So as longer time listeners will know, I'm not crazy about Lions. It's pretty, pretty cliche, but I like the Taranga thing. That sounds cool. For the Senegalese as well, their entire regular starting national team play abroad in other countries' domestic leagues. So this is a whole different group of players, but they made the final. They're pretty darn good. In fact, they came in as the number B event seed, and they are ranked overall as their national team number 19 in the world. 2009, they finished in fourth place. 2011, they didn't do quite as well, but that was the most recent time that they participated. This year, they won their group of four with a 2-1-0 record and won the group by two over Ivory Coast. In the semifinal, they beat Madagascar 1-0. Tied for number three in event scoring for them with a couple of them is Pape Diallo. The kiddies are going to overwhelm us. Well, at least I think they're going to make one more appearance this episode. In any case, perhaps we can keep them at bay, appease them with what they want most, a recap of last week's matches. Let's give it to them. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from the United Arab Emirates Pro League. Number B, Sharjah Culture Club versus number one, Shabab Al Ali Dubai. They managed to only color by numbers to a nil-nil draw, no change to the table there. Saturday, match number B was the FA Cup final, the Empress's Cup in Japan, between Tokyo Verdi Beleza and INAC Kobe Leonessa. And it was Beleza that got the win 4-0. What a beauty of a victory for them. Beleza means beauty in Portuguese. Match number three from the German Bundesliga. Number one, Bayern Munich took on number three, Frankfurt. They played through a 1-1 draw. Not bad for Frankfurt, although they do end up falling down to fifth place. That's still an impressive uh, even draw to get for them. Match number four from the Cypriot First Division. Cyprus, number one, I. Ajax Larnica took on number B, Abuel uh, Nicosia, and it was Ajax getting the 2-1 win. We had our big interview guest for that last week. He got the score right, but the team's wrong. And hey, that's a lot better than our Lutzradamas guy usually does. So, Tassos, Tassos, thanks a lot for that. We appreciate it. And by the way, for Abuel, a guy we said to look for, the Brazilian star Marquinhos, he got a goal in the 90th minute. Sunday, match number five from the Premier League in Bermuda. Number B, North Village Rams took on number one, Pembroke Hamilton. And it was Pembroke extending their league lead on the road with a no one win that knocked the Rams down to fourth place in a fairly tight league race. Match number six from the FA Cup in England. Round four, the round of 32 between Wrexham and Sheffield United. They played to a 3-3 draw. I think Wrexham actually blew a lead in this one. They will have to play a replay to see who's going to go on in the next round. 
Match number seven from Ghana's Premier League. Number one, Aduana Stars played host to number the Accra Lions. They played to a 1-1 draw. Accra, based on this and a different result, actually fell all the way down to number six. Incredible race they have going on there. One win and they could be right back in it again. Match number eight from the Lebanese Premier League. Number B, all ahead, taking on number one, Al Ansar. They played to a nil-nil draw, no change in the table there. There's now a three-way tie on points heading into the last match of the season. We jump ahead to Wednesday, match number nine for the first round match in the FIFA Club World Cup. All Ailey, the champions, well, the runners-up from the Champions League last year in Africa, took on semi-professional but OFC champions. Auckland City, yeah, Oceania. All Ailey, no surprise, they beat the New Zealander semi-professionals 3-0. Match number 10 was the FA Cup final from Nicaragua here in our home region. Real Esteli took on Walter Ferretti, two of the three big powers down there. Walter Ferretti got the nil one win. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Your route of the week was a Sunday match from Belgium's Pro League. Number one, Jank playing number 18, RFC Seyran, and it was Jank. Yep, you got it right, folks. It was a big route, 4-0. Their big star, Paul Anuachu, had a brace, and Mike Tresser, that we said to look out for, also had a goal. The most meaningless match in the world from the Scottish Championship. Number seven, Wraith Rovers, took on number six, Inverness CT. They played to a perfectly meaningless 2-2 draw. Let the existential crisis for them continue. For the Rovers, Aiden Connolly, that we said to look for, had a goal. And for Inverness, one of their big players, Billy McKay, had a goal and assist. And actually, Inverness moved up to fifth place. Then finally, a match of disappointed, a Saturday match from Liga 1 in Romania. Number 15, UTA Arud, took on number 16, CS Miaveni. Miaveni got what I think was their first win of the season. Still in last place, but they got the 1-2 victory. Yeah, no change in the table there. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Let's dive right back in to our previews of the upcoming week's matches here with... Match number six. Onward to Sunday and back to Europe we go for a match from the number six ranked league in all of Europe, the Eredivisie of the Netherlands. Right now, and I think this is about to get bumped up for two years from now, they get one Champions League group stage berth. Another team, the runner-up, will go to the third qualifying round of that event. And then they'll also, of course, send a couple to the Europa Conference League. Your big matchup this weekend is number one Feyenoord versus number three PSV Eindhoven. A glance at the table shows us that Feyenoord are sitting at 42. AZ Alkmaar, the big surprise this year at 40. PSV Eindhoven at 38. And then Ajax sitting back at 37, wondering when they might uh, make a big move, one of the three traditional powers there. When these two played earlier in the season, it was all Feyenoord, even though it was on the road, nil four. Wow. Series between these two has actually been much more recent, uh, even rather in recent seasons. Feyenoord have had a slight edge with a 13-5 and 11 record. This one is going to be available stateside on ESPN+. Plus. It'll air at 8.30 in the morning Eastern time. Set your alarm, have some breakfast with your Dutch football. But that's all that you're going to get out of us for this particular match. You might be enjoying whatever you're fixing for your morning meal with the possibility of some gambling winnings, because we are now going to turn to our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, he of the long, flowing white silver locks and ability to touch the infinite beyond. What do you think is going to happen in this one, oh mighty soothsayer? Oh, the 
Interesting how we have an easier time getting a hold of him when he's seemingly out of out on what sounds like the middle of nowhere is the Thracian plains of Greece and sometimes when he's in some more populated areas. But that's the way it goes. We will hold off on our gambling for another week. And hey, I recognize that too. You got to hear a little bit of the 1961 written. I don't know exactly when that version was recorded. Hand in hand, uh, the or one of the official hymns or theme songs of the club. Now, if you follow any of the other clubs in this area, by the way, that might sound familiar. The guy who wrote the lyrics for it and music actually used that music with different lyrics for several different clubs, including Ajax. So that is a melody that is floating around out there. Match number seven. Is it just me or did that not sound more like a bad Quantum Leap episode than anything else? Scott Bakula, help us all. Anybody watch the new one, by the way? I'm thinking about checking out the new one when I'm not busy watching football. We have got a lot of televised football this particular weekend. How's that for a segue? Match number seven, another Sunday match from the number four ranked league in Europe, Italy's Serie A. Number B, Internazionale, taking on number five, Milan, in the Derby della Maddalena. Yeah, the two big Milan teams. Uh, They call it that, by the way, because of the Virgin Mary statue, very famously, on the top of the Duomo, the big metro cathedral there in Milan. A look at the table. Napoli are way out in front, so forget them. In second place, Internazionale sit at 40. Lazio, Atalanta, and Milan all at 38 points. Milan are in fifth place and behind the other two based on goal differential right now. And Roma is still lurking in this game of musical chairs for those other three Champions League berths besides the one that Napoli will get. One point back at 37. When the two played earlier this season... I was going to say that Milan AC defended their home turf, but they both play at the San Siro, so it's the same turf. But anyway, Milan won it 3-2. to two. Internacional have been a little bit better in recent seasons overall, accruing a 15-8-12 and eight and 12 record in this derby. You can catch this one stateside here, Eastern Time, 245, on Paramount+. Plus. First, Internacional, your official home team on paper, and they are the big grass snake. So specific. Traditionally, this is more of the uh, bourgeois fan basis team, but that's been mitigated in more recent years, kind of thinned out between these two, whereas the other one is more blue collar. They've won the league title 19 different times. Last time was two years ago. Three times they have hoisted the Champions League trophy in Europe, 2009, 2010, the most recent. And who knows, maybe they'll do it again this year. They're still alive in the round of 16, about to play Porto, one of the big three from over in Portugal. Last year, they finished in second place in the league. This year, ordinarily, their defense doesn't look that great. They're tied for 10th place in that regard in the second half, but they're only giving up one and a third goals per match. That's not awful. What really sets you apart in this league is your ability to score more than a lot of other places, metrically speaking. They've got the second best offense, scoring two goals per match, and a top four goal differential overall. Key players to look for, number three in scoring in the league with 11 is Lautaro Martinez, Argentinian center forward, and then top 10 in assists with five on the year, Nicolo Barella, central midfielder. But I think their best player overall is a guy they picked up a year or two ago, came over from uh, Milan, actually, a Turkish central midfielder named Hakan uh, Oglu. I'm going to probably terribly mispronounce it. 24 national team caps to his credit, a big international star from his home country. Team's current form, they have won two straight. 
and are five one and zero in their last six. And now Milan, uh, very ominously known simply as the Devil, not even like the Red Devils plural, just the Devil singular. That's disturbing. 19 league titles, the very same as their official hosts today. And these are your defending league champions. They've got seven Champions League titles, but it's been just a little bit longer since they've won one, 2006-2007. Statistically, they're very much a mirror image of their counterparts today. Their defense is only ranked number 13 in the league. They're giving up all almost a goal and a half per match, but they've got a top four offense and therefore overall a top seven goal differential. I don't think this is a team that's going to crack the top four. A result here, though, would go a long way. Key players to look for. Tied for number five in league scoring with eight is Rafael Leal from Portugal. Plays left winger for them. He's been linked to a move possibly to Real Madrid with a price tag of over 100 million euros. That would just be insane. But there's another player in the English Premier League, a really young guy named June Bellingham, who if Real Madrid goes after him instead with that money, then not sure what's going to happen to Leo, but it's kind of fun to watch those bigger transfer players happening. Also, he is tied for number six in the league with five assists. Best player I think they have going, amazingly, you would think he was the best one, but I think the most valuable one is their Algerian defensive midfielder, Ismail Benasser. 36 national teams caps for him, and he was actually on the French radar for a long time. I believe he is French board. He played for their youth national team before making the switch over. And we have a USA connection here, by the way, Serginho Dest, who plays for our very own national team from time to time. He is on loan here from Barcelona, plays defensive midfielder, I believe. No, he's a full-on defender. I take that back. He is Dutch-born, but has lineage here. Don't remember which side of the family. And has made 23 national team appearances. In fact, if you'll remember from the World Cup, uh, Christian Pulisic's big goal that gave them the win over Iran, he was the one who assisted on that. Very pacey player, and he's very good going uh, backward on defense or forward in attacking. So you can actually put him in a few different spots on the field. Team's current form. Three straight losses and 0-2-4 and across all competitions. Really starting to struggle on both sides of the ball. 2-12 and goal differential in those three losses. Match number eight. Don't tap out on the weekend yet. We've got one more to go. Pop an energy drink. The Premier League of Lebanon awaits us. This is the number 18 ranked league in all of Asia. That's just about in the top third. Just high enough they have climbed in the coefficients that their winner, this isn't always the case for them, We'll get to go a year from now to the Champions League. They'll have to start in a playoff round, but it's a start. Their runner-up will go to the AFC Cup, the secondary Asian international tournament, and we'll get to start in the group stage. Even the third-place team will probably also get to go to the AFC Cup. They will be on what's known as standby status. The regular season format, they play a single round robin in this league, and then the teams divide into the championship and relegation rounds, top and bottom half. And then the points start over, at the very least, in the championship round. They play a five-game single round robin, and that's how they determine their champion. It's fascinating to me that the points don't carry over in any way, shape, or form. We're looking at this league at the very last match of the season, and why not? On points, there is a three-way tie at the top between Al-Ansar. They have a plus-six goal differential all ahead they are at plus five. And then Nejma, your home team for the match we're going to look at, they're at plus three. So definitely not in the driver's seat. They're going to need some help. 
Now, just to let you know, Al-Ansar and Ahed, they played last week. So each of these teams is going to be playing a team from the bottom half that's completely out of the race. So even if none of those teams are starting their starters anymore and taking a look at other guys, they're all going to be in that same boat. So Nejma are a little bit behind the eight ball for winning the league here. But I wanted to look at Nejma versus number five, Al Borj, because we looked at Al Ansar and Al Ahed last week. Nejma, by the way, when the two played earlier this season, they won one to four on the road. This is just a fascinating club. It was founded by two different groups. Uh, the Druze, which are a, uh, they are a, a monotheistic group that is not Muslim, although I think they may be used to consider themselves kind of almost Muslim. And then Sunni Muslims also played pretty much an equal part in the founding of this club. They play in the Ras Beirut district of the capital city of Beirut. It's a very well-to-do area. They're known as the Burgundy Castle. By the way, Nejma means star, and the star that they use, the shape of it, and the way the uh, points of the star are fixated is the Druze religious star. And by the way, an interesting side note, if you're familiar with this team name recently, it might be because of the World Cup. I don't know the why of it. And they may not have been the only ones, but Nejma fans were specifically paid and brought in to act as fans in the World Cup for the Qatari national team just a couple months ago. So kind of interesting. Historically, they are the second best team in this country. Uh, They only trail all Ansar in total league titles. They've won the league title eight different times, but the last time was 2013-14. They've made a bunch of AFC Cup appearances, most recently in 2005. They've also been to the Champions League twice, 2002-2003. Best they ever did in that was the mid-90s, though, and they only got to the second round. Uh, This year, they made it as far as the AFC Cup group stage. So you can see, again, where this league is right on the cusp of being one of the really good ones. Their their champions and second-place teams kind of float between going to the Champions League or maybe only getting to go to the AFC Cup. Last year, they only finished in seventh place. This year, they are... uh, they are 4-1 and one as far as their goal differential here in the championship round, so they're a little short on offense, but the defense has been outstanding, obviously. In the regular season, they finished in fourth place and were very well balanced, uh, top three offense and defense, and the fourth best overall goal differential. A top four score for them, key player to look for, would be Ali Salman. He had four on the regular season. Team's current form, they are 3-2-0 and oh in their last five. And now, coming to town to wreck their hopes, Borj, B-O-U-R-J. Uh, their nickname is the leader of Dahia, which is a suburb uh, in the south of Beirut, and it's a very Shia Muslim area, so, so a very different history for this particular club. Officially, they play in an area known as Borj al Barajna, so their offices might be in one area and their grounds are another. That's a really cool way of saying Tower of Towers, I believe, in Arabic. There's a huge refugee camp here, by the way, well over 20,000. Historically, a lot of Arab Israelis, but now it's a lot of Syrians. So just a fascinating area. Three times they have won the second division. Most recently was 2018, 2019. So they're a little bit out of their league here, to be perfectly honest. 1-1-2 
is their uh, record here for the championship round, a three and eight goal differential. So they've struggled a little bit on both sides of the ball, but perhaps that was to be expected when they're facing up against mostly the big three. Regular season, they finished in fifth place. They were decently balanced as well. Top five offense and defense. Defense, they were only giving up one goal per match. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. The scoring they are getting largely at the feet of top five scorer with five goals, Mohamed Sadek, who plays midfield for them. Team score inform, well, they just snapped a two-loss, three-match winless streak at number six championship round last play, Shabab Al-Ghazi at nil one. Match number nine. Whew, that was quite a weekend. Let's give ourselves Monday and Tuesday off from the tracking of the greatest matches from around the world. Get back to it on Wednesday and visit the one confederation we haven't been to yet, Conmebol, the organization in South America. We're going to take a look at a match from Colombia's Primera, uh, the top flight there, and this is the 2022 final. Now, what that means is last year they played their Apertura and Clausura stages, opening and closing, as many South American and Latin American uh, uh, leagues and organizations do in general, and they're very separate stages. So then the two winners are going to play in this particular final. Now, this is the fifth-ranked league in Conmebol, according to kick algorithms anyway, as they rank it, which puts it very average for South America. Now, there's no international berth on the line for this particular one, but nevertheless, your matchup between the two stage champions last year's Deportivo Pereira taking on Atletico Nacional. This match is also known as, when we see, Superliga Colombiana. Now, the first... Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Superliga. Super. I've been duped. I should have known better. There are no stakes for this game. No Copa Libertadores berth. No Copa Sudamericana berth. This is a Super Cup. Ah. Newer fans, are you familiar with Super Cups? Traditionally, at the beginning of a lot of these all over the world, the previous year's FA Cup winner and league winner will play in a glorified exhibition to kick off the next season. It's not even really thought of as a championship match. They probably don't give all their starters a lot of time and may even rest a lot of them entirely. So with no international birth at stake, that's exactly what this is. Uh, the Apertura stage is about to kick off for the 2023 season down there, so the timing fits perfectly. And let me tell you something, we like Matches with stakes. Nothing else will do. Team Noob carries no water for Super Cups. We want matches that matter. Quite frankly, Noobice, that's what you deserve. So, Colombia, South America, Conmebol, sorry, but we're not doing this. We're just going to blow it up. The management, do it. Match number 10. We're done. Finally. And finally, dear daughter, we get to do some minnow watching. That means we're headed to a bracketed tournament somewhere in the world for an FA Cup match. In this case, the Netherlands, where they call the FA Cup the KNVB. They've reached their round of 16, and we have not one but two teams that are still alive from the third division. That's what we mean by minnow watching. Traditionally, it's applied to the English FA Cup, and we do some of that but we like to kind of broaden our ken a little bit. So we're going to look at this one. Now, in the Netherlands, 
All the teams from the top four leagues, professional and semi-professional, take part, plus the 24 qualified great amateur teams. The winner of the entire event will earn a berth into next year's Europa League. That's the only way for either of these two teams to get there. From the third tier, we have Spackenberg taking on Catweek, which we've already had the mewing sound effect from earlier, so that might be really fun to do, but it's K-A-T-W-I-J-K, not related to felines at all, at least to my knowledge. The series between these two teams recently, Spackenberg with a slight edge, 2-1-1 one one record. Speaking of them first as they are the hosts by random draw, they play out of the city of Boonschoten, which is in the northeast uh, part of the country in the middle of the Utrecht province. Uh, Spackenberg is a village uh, just to the north of one of the metro areas. It's got about 22,000 people. The third division there is called the Tweed Division, if I'm getting it right, T-W-E-E-D-E. And it's the highest amateur level. Historically, it's the lowest professional level. Some of the teams there might be semi-pro, to be honest. Uh, they play in a venue called the Sport Park de Westmont, which has a capacity of about 8,500. And they shared this with another amateur club at the same level. We had Noobstradamus talking about the IJ earlier. Well, man, I'm going to butcher this one because it starts with that. So this is the... I-J-S-S-E-E-L. Let's go with Isamir Vogels. That's the name of the club, or at least the way I'm going to say it. And the dynamic between these two teams is really interesting. Uh, I-J-S, I'm going to abbreviate it. Uh, they are known as historically kind of as, in this area, the People's Club. And for the fishermen, whereas just farmers and the clerks were considered a socioeconomic rung up, and that historically has made up the fan base for Spockenberg. As such, the stadium is really interesting. They have two separate grandstands, which is unusual. IGS, they use the one that's painted all red, and Spackenberg's home side is considered the blue side, even though they're very rarely both playing at the same time. Uh, currently, uh, Spackenberg, they are rated right in the middle of their league. They're in ninth place out of the 18 teams. Their defense has not been good at all. They're near the bottom of the league. The offense is a little more average. They get one and a third goals per match. Team leading scorer for them with seven on the season is Flores Vanderlinden. Team's current form in their last three, one, one, and one, and they haven't been able to keep any clean sheets. And now Catweek, that is a coastal town in the south of Holland, sort of in the west central part of the country. It's about 10 miles north of The Hague, if you know the geography there. City of about 65,000 people. Uh, it's the largest town in what's known as the Dune and Bulb region, which I'm going to butcher as Dune and Bolenstreek. It's not a particularly touristy area, even though it's on the coast. It's a bit, a little, little bit more of a retirement area. The apartment buildings there are largely for pensioners and some tourists, and they aren't really any more than uh, three to five stories high. It's got a very 1950s architectural feel, and it is a very laid-back part of the country. Uh, these are the defending league champions, by the way, but they, uh, for whatever reason, COVID or otherwise, haven't been participating in Pro-Rel, this whole league, since 2017, but that will change next year. They also won the league, by the way, in 2017-18, the very first or maybe the second year of that promotion relegation freeze. So they've gotten really good at maybe just the wrong time. 2012-13, they were actually invited to join the Eerste Divisie, which is the second division, after they won the division below that, which at the time was called the top class. I believe that is now called the Derde, or third division, but they declined the invitation, probably for financial reasons. 
Currently, they are in fifth place in their league. Good offense, but a great defense. They're tied for second best in that regard, barely giving up more than one goal per match. I think even on the road, these are going to be your favorites. On the scoring side of things, tied for fifth best in that league with 11 is homegrown player Ahmad El Azuti. Team's current form. They have won four straight with a very nice nine and two goal differential. Bring forth the bonus matches. Thanks so much to everyone who votes on Twitter, where you can find me as Soccer Noob USA. At the beginning of every week, I put up candidate matches on the social media site. You vote for them, and dreamy content gets manifested. The first one is a first versus last place matchup. My daughter has dramatically named the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And we stay in Europe for a match from the Czech Republic, where the top flight is called the First League. It is ranked number 14 in all of Europe. They get one team that will start in the second qualifying round of the Champions League. That is the only one that gets to go from there. They'll also send two teams to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of the spectrum, one team will get automatically relegated, and two more in second and third to last place will have to fight for their lives at the end of the year against a couple of upstarts from the second division, for their first division lives next season. That would include number 16 in last place, Pardubici, taking on number one, Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague, they currently lead Victoria Pilsen by just one in the table. So sorry, Pardubici, Victoria Pilsen. They're not going to be falling asleep on this one. They're going to win and they're going to try to build up some goal differential. This may truly be a route, even at your place. Part of Beachy, they trailed number 15, uh, Sheshke Budijovici by seven. And then they trailed number 15, or no, a team a little bit higher up, Trinity Zlin by two. So you can see how far they have to get to uh, the relegation playoff matches and then true safety. When these two played earlier this season at Slavia Prague, it was a bloodbath, 7-0 in favor of the league leaders. And they haven't dropped any points in the last six matches against this team, 5-1-0. and oh. But hey, we always look for a little glimmer of sunlight if we can. And Pardubici sometime in the last couple, three years did manage a draw. Could they avoid being roadkill this match? Let's talk about it. Pardubici. They are named for a Polish monk, or more specifically, that town is of the same name. Uh, If you're a motorcycle fan or a steeplechase fan, of all things, uh, there are a couple of big international race events in those two areas that both get held here annually. The city is in the north central part of the country, has about 90,000 people. Uh, It's a big industrial hub, electronics manufacturing and uh, oil refining. The club is a fairly young one. They were founded in 2008, although really they are a merger of two much older clubs, TJ Tesla and FC Loco, both from right there in Pardubici. This is their just their second straight season in Division One, and in fact, they were all the way down in the fourth division as recently as 2009. Last year, they managed to avoid the relegation situation, but not by a lot. They only finished in 11th place. This year, woof. Sorry. Worst offense and defense. They're losing uh, by an average of uh, two to three goals per match. They got the worst goal differential close by close to a factor of two. Uh, nevertheless, let's look for something positive. Um, the team leader in goals plus assists, he's got four between them, is Michael 
Plavati, an attacking midfielder, 24 years old. Victoria Pielsen, that, uh, the second-place team in the league that we mentioned, he was with them until last June, or at least they had the rights to him. They might have been loading him out. Team's current form, they've actually earned two straight draws. Not too bad for a team that's at the bottom of the table. And the first of those draws was against the aforementioned team from Pielsen. Pretty nice result, but... Slavia Prague, I think, are going to have their number. That's why you voted for him. This is a club that was first founded by medical students, but not as a football club. They were into bicycling first. Football came second. They're very good at that now. They've won the Czech title seven times since separating uh, from the country of Slovakia. They had won three straight titles before last year. And then before they broke with Slovakia, they had won 13 in the first half of the 20th century. They have reached the semifinal of what is now known the, as the Europa League uh, one time. That was back in 1995-96, 2007-2008 season. They made the Champions League group stage, and that is the best they have ever done. This year, they played in the Europa Conference League, and they went out in the group stage, having finished in second place in last year's league. This year... Defense is top two, but the offense is where they are really getting separation. They are number one in that category by lots, getting three and a quarter goals per match on average and have close to the best goal differential uh, by two times as much as their second best team. Tied for number four in scoring in the league with nine is Stanislav uh, Tetchel or Tekel, T-E-C-L. He plays striker for them, also has three assists on, assists on the year. And then another guy I want you to look for, if they've got him, he's a Dutch striker named Mick Van Buren. I found found different information on him on different sites. He's got 10 goals on the year, but he may not be here yet. He may still be on loan with a team called Slovan Liberec and may be about to come over. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10 and have won four straight matches. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Oh, it's not just could. They are the most meaningless match in the world because you voted for them. And the one that you picked, another Saturday match from the Swiss Super League, which is the number 13 ranked league in Europe. One team will get to go to the Champions League third qualifying round. One to the second qualifying round, a couple more to the ECL. And then on the other end of things, no team this year is going to be automatically relegated. The last place team will have a chance to stay up if they can win a relegation playout match or series of matches against the winner from the Challenge League, the second division in Switzerland. I don't even know why I tell you that because this is the most meaningless match. We're going to talk about two teams that even in a small league like the 10-team Swiss Super League, Probably don't have to worry about it. Who else is going to talk about these teams but us? I love this. Number seven, Grasshopper FC, taking on number 16, Basel. Basel currently lead Grasshopper by one. Basel trail number four, St. Gallen, by three. And then uh, Grasshopper, they lead number 10. That's last place, Winterthur, by five. So it's a small enough league that, yes, there could be some movement, and you could see you know, one of them dropping it way down and maybe flirting with relegation, maybe one of them flirting with an ECL spot, but probably not. They're just right in the middle, gloriously average. 
the series between these two, you wouldn't think that they're both uh, belonging in the same match. Basil have been really good for a long time. This is just an off year for them. They've got a 23-14-7 and record against Grasshopper the last, oh, I don't know, decade or so. They split their two matches so far this season, each defending their home turf. Grasshopper won 1-0. Basil meant a little more business. They won their game 5-1. Grasshopper FC, they are one of the two top flight teams out of Zurich and have actually won the league title more than anybody else in the country, 27 times. But it's been 20 years since the last time they did it. Twice in the mid-1990s, they made the Champions League group stage. Uh, They made... Uh, let's see here, the quarterfinals of what is now called the Champions League back in 78-79, so been a little bit. And the semifinals of the now Europa League back in 77-78. So their Halcyon days seem to be between uh, behind them, and they're not returning to them this year, hence the meaninglessness. 2016-17 was their last European appearance, by the way. They uh, went out in the Europa League playoff round. Last year, you might have found them here as well. They finished in eighth place. This year, The offense isn't particularly meaningless. They're getting one and two-thirds goal per match. That's top four. But their defense drags them down a little bit. They're near the bottom in that regard, giving up almost two goals per match. I believe that the best player they have going, tied for number four in league scoring, uh, with seven on the air, is their Japanese central midfielder, Hayao Kawabe. He's also got four assists. He is on loan here from Wolverhampton. I wonder if he'll uh, be... I didn't see anything that indicated he was going to get called up this season, but... Wolverhampton are down far enough in the table. Who knows? They might need to get in some reinforcements for their Premier League efforts. And the number one in assists in the league, they've got that guy with five on the year, Giotto Mirande, homegrown right winger, just 23 years old. And then as we like to do for this match, let's look at the most meaningless player that they've got going, at least amongst their starters. I identify their most average guy as being Christian Herk, a Slovakian central midfielder. Three goals, two assists, pretty accurate shooter. But he could be a better passer for the position, just 75%. That's not real high for a guy you know, who's playing in the middle of the field. And he could track back a little bit better on defense. His interceptions are pretty low for a guy in that position. So do a little bit better. Why not? By the way, Wolverhampton, another connection. Uh, they had him the first four years of his career, but they always loaned him out. This team's current form, since they returned from their winter break very recently, break rather, they are 0-1-1 in their last two. And now Basel, that is the number three size city in the country, about 175,000 people. If you are a big arts and history fan, this is the place for you to visit. Northwest part of the country, and even though it's not that huge a city, 40 museums. But brush up on your German, this is the German-speaking part of the country. They've won the league title. 20 times. Last time was 2016-17. Huh. I thought it was a little bit more recent than that. I guess young boys have been a little bit more dominant than I thought. Uh, They made the Champions League quarterfinal once, all the way back in 1973-74. More recently, they've made the round of 16 three different times. 2017-18 was the last one. The Europa League, they've done really well. They made the semifinals less than a decade ago. And right now, they're in the tertiary international tournament, the Europa Conference League, in the playoff round. They can win that. They get to go to the event proper, the group stage, but they'll have to get past Trabzonspor from Turkey. Last year in the league, they finished in second place. This year, they are the opposite of 
their team, the team they're playing statistically, they've got a pretty poor offense, but their defense is top three in the league. They only give up a little bit over one third of a goal per match. Now, this is not to say that they play small ball, though. I don't get that impression that they just park the bus. They do get one and a third goals per match. They've actually got the number three goal differential in the league. If anybody can make a push away from meaninglessness anywhere in the world, it's probably going to be this particular team. Their firepower is all over the place. Um, it's hard to stop them. Usually, they've got three players that each have four goals, which is just outside the top 10 of the league. And they've got two different guys with three assists, and that's nearly in the top 10. The best player that they've got going is uh, Wouter Berger. He is a Dutch-born defensive midfielder, but he won't be playing in this particular match. Going to be a little tougher on their own. He's serving part of, I think, a two-game suspension because of a red card accumulation. So who are they going to be leaning on? I believe that it is their, uh, one of their very best players, on, again, on the defensive side from Ghana, play center back for them, Kasim Adams, an incredibly accurate passer, starting to flirt with 90%. He is also second best in the league in blocks on the year, part of the reason that they're so good in that particular regard. He gets a little over one block per match on average. It's a very tough thing to get a complete block statistically. And uh, to show how good he is, he's got a bit of a pedigree. He's played for Mallorca over in Spain and Hoffenheim, even better, I think, over in Germany. And then your MMP, the most meaningless player, let's call it their left fielder, left midfielder, rather, 22-year-old Zeki Amduani. He is on loan here from Lausanne, interestingly, which is a team that's often in the top flight here in Switzerland, but right now is in the second division. Uh, he's made 15 appearances, has four goals, uh, one assist, good tackler, but he tries to dribble a fair bit. He gets called on and not surprisingly position, but his success rate in that regard is not very high at all. His passing accuracy rate is okay, but if you've got a guy that's playing on the wing quite a bit, you need somebody who can launch in accurate crosses. And percentage-wise, he has been dreadful in that particular regard. Team's current form, they too are 0-1-1 since their winter break ended. And now we come to the two end of our podcast road, appropriately the 13th match, because we will not be ending on notes of happiness or joy, oh no, but rather with ire and consternation, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Welcome to the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappointed! And once again, it's a Saturday match, but we're escaping Europe this time. We're off to visit the bottom two teams from the Indian Super League, which is the 14th ranked league in all of the AFC. Uh, the winner at the end of the year will get to play last year's winner in this league for a Champions League group stage berth there in Asia. The second best team might get to go to the AFC Cup qualifying round. Things are a little bit in flux when it comes to this. Also, the top six teams in this league will get to go to the playoffs. Normally, the winner of the playoffs also gets to go to a tournament, but not this year. I mention all that to remind these teams of what they're missing out on because they're awful and aren't going to catch a sniff of it. The only good thing that these two sad sacks have going for them is that this league doesn't have any relegation. They're really trying to build up the league here in this country. There's only about, depending which club you're looking at, four or five matches left in the season. So one of these is going to have the uh, ignominy of finishing in last place, most likely. Will it be number 11, last place, Northeast United, or number 10, Jamshadpur? The table tells us the answer, most likely. Uh, east of Bengal, they're in third to last place with 12. Jamshadpur have nine points 
and Northeast United a mere little tiny four. When the two played earlier this year, Jamshedpur eked out a 1-0 win. Uh, the series between these two, Jamshedpur, they're having a, a bit of an off year. 5-5-1 five, five, and one is the record against Northeast for them. They're normally a fair bit better than this, if hardly quite a perennial power. Northeast United, very young club, 2014 is when they were founded. That was also the Indian Super League's very first season. Their primary owner is Bollywood actor John Abraham. I do like a good uh, historical action movie from Bollywood. I'm a, a big fan of some of that stuff, but I'm not familiar with him by name. But I'm not sure how much he knows about naming clubs. They're known as the Highlanders, and I get that. That's going to be geography-oriented almost certainly. But their other nickname is the Green Octopus. Are octopuses green? I suppose maybe they're green, and this might be, you know, they're on the highlands. This is not a coastal team. And both in their home and their away kits, they don't have a lick of green at all. Maybe something's lost in the translation here, but I don't think so. And they don't have any green in their crest either. Anyway, they play out of the city of uh, Guwahati in the state of Assam. That's in the northeast, of course, uh, given the club's name, that would be expected. Uh, if you're looking at a map of India, there, there's the main part, and there's a little tiny part of the map of the northeast that stretches out, and then you get one more area that almost looks like a separate country, and it is a separate state. That is where you find Northeast United, and the city has about a million people. This is one of the highest tea-producing areas in the world, and it's also very known for its diverse wildlife. So if you're into that kind of ecotourism and you want to check out everything from elephants to pythons to guars, you can certainly do that. Or gars, I'm sorry, guar is the fish, G-A-U-R. Give you a little bit of perspective. Uh, the Indian scene is still climbing when it comes to football. This club is considered to be ranked number 367 in all of Asia. That puts them right below a club from Lebanon, the Lebanese second division, that is. So, you know, they've got a little ways to come. But, hey, you're learning about them before just about anybody else. And that's a big country. They're going to all get better, believe you me. Last year, they finished in 10th place. This year, they've got just one little win on the season. And I don't even know how they manage that. They've got the worst offense and defense going. The defense is particularly putrid. Two and two-thirds goals per match. Worst goal differential by almost a factor of two. And let's take a look at the most disappointing player. And yes, I love combining my affixes. Uh, worst of their players statistically uh, who gets any regular starts is Gwarov Bora, who plays center back for them. You cannot have a guy playing in the middle of the darn field with only, even in the back center, with only a 70% passing accuracy weight. This is a guy who is giving up way too many balls in his own third. How are they only giving up two and two through goals per match? That is heinous. Team's current form, 0-1-4 and in their last five. And now Jamshedpur, they're an even newer club, founded in 2017, owned by an organization called Tata Steel. They are known as the Men of Steel, also the Red Miners. They are your defending premiers, which means they are the defending regular season champions uh, in the playoffs, where they call the winners the actual champions, but they're considered an uneven footing. Last year, they made the semifinals. They're a little bit better statistically than their opponent today, but uh, you and I could probably do a little bit better than Northeast United, just the two of us and nine pickup guys we might find. Uh, they're not even scoring a goal per match, almost giving up two goals per match, second worst goal differential. They're not going to catch East Bengal. The most disappointed in player that they have, 
It goes by the name Rehenesh TP. You know, toilet paper, like you would wipe your bum with. Do they do bidets in India? Maybe that's more of a European thing. I don't know. That actually stands for Thumbi Rumbu Paramba. It sounds like I'm making up that name, Thumbi Rumbu, but I am not. I like a name that starts with T-H-U-M-B. He just got a little bit... uh, He's named after a phalange. He just became a little bit less disappointing to me. Nevertheless, only one clean sheet in nine apps. Don't make me smile, Mr. TP, butt wiper. And uh, it's amazing that he's even got that because um, his expected goals conceded based on the defense around him is 10, but he's actually giving up 17. This isn't a stat I've done a lot of looking at across the world, but that sounds like an absolute atrocity to me. So with all this nastiness here in tow, we will not wish these teams good luck as we prepare to bid adieu to the podcast, but rather we will shoo and heckle them away in our very mean fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Take them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's all she wrote for episode 121 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much, as always, to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations remain on fire, as they always have been. Thank you very much to my daughter, Person Noob. I love you getting to help out with the show. I love your aminals, even if I want to eat them all up once they are no longer endangered. We can have that discussion off air. And thank you to you for listening. We appreciate it. That's the reason that we do this. Obviously, we're not getting famous on this. We just love exploring the world through soccer and getting to know all these leagues and all these teams all at the same time because it's not a character. It is my life. We really don't know anything about these until we start researching them more or less right before the show. If you found it a lot of fun, and I hope you did, please pass this along to your footy-minded friends. I think we've got something really unique here. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.